How y'all doing? Okay, so did you find it? Exodus chapter 13. Either like you've got a, a paper Bible or on your device, right? Exodus chapter 13. Have to learn how to stand still. Okay. All right, so um, this morning, let's just, ah, I just feel like these could be, I, I always want to start the sermon by saying, like, this could be weird, but I don't think it will be, okay? So um, a couple weeks ago, if you were with us, we did a, uh, just a one, we call these standalone messages. So standalone messages, basically, we're not in a series, and so it's just, hey, God, what do you want to say, right? Um, I mean, when we're in a series, we're also asking God what he wants to say, but I love these, these Sundays when it's just, God, like right now, what are you saying right now? And a couple Sundays ago, we talked about the word through. Any, who was here for that? Remember that? And we just talked about how God, um, he's, he's calling us. Um, what I said that Sunday was that through, I remember I put that crazy picture on, on the screen, and it was a city limit sign, right? And it was city limits for a city named through. And now what we tend to do is we want to live there, but God calls us to pass through. And so a lot of us live in the stuck place when God's actually called us to pass that place. And so this morning we're just going to kind of um, unpack that maybe a little bit more, okay. So because he's, he's, he's just been dealing with me about that whole concept. We're, we're passing through. I know that our country, I know that the church, I know that us, us as individuals, we all feel a little like, when will this end, right? And so we feel a little bit stuck, but God doesn't want us to be stuck. He's, he's doing something right now in the church. And when I say, just so you'll, you'll breathe better, actually just take a deep breath. Exhale it without a lot of force so you don't blow it on somebody that's not six feet away. Um, when I say the church, I don't just mean our church, okay? So I feel like lately... God has just been giving me like these insights into scripture that I feel like are so much more than just for us. I feel like it's for the church in America. Not, you know, the church in America is not watching online. <laughs> They're not going to necessarily see this, but I feel like what God's speaking through me and other leaders, other pastors that I have conversations with, it's all the same thing, right? You do know that we're part of a collective body, right? It's the, the kingdom is much bigger than the gathering. Thank goodness. And it's bigger than Albemarle, thank goodness. And it's bigger than the Sims of God. And, like the kingdom's the kingdom. And he's speaking things to the kingdom right now because he's preparing us for something. So this morning, uh, that's kind of where we're going to go. That was a long introduction. So Exodus chapter 13, um, verses 17 through 18. If you don't have it, we're going to throw it up on the screen. And I'm going to read it to you, okay? So here's what it says. Um, when, oh, can I get it back? Will it work? Okay, I got it. Hold on. Exodus chapter 13. It's opening right now. Here we go. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, you know, if you're not familiar with the story, the Israelites have been enslaved, okay? And so they've been going and saying, Moses has been going to Pharaoh saying, let my people go, right? And so it took a while. Um, anybody ever had your parents tell you to do chores more than once? Could take a while, right? The parents are like, oh, I can relate, right? When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. 
God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in, see if this relates to you, a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Now, listen, I've got three takeaways to give you from that passage. Let me give you the big idea first. Here's the big idea. If we see every problem as persecution, we'll have real problems with real persecution. Let me say that again because that's, that's a lot, a lot of words, okay? If we see every problem as persecution, let me explain what I mean by that. When I was youth pastoring, I would routinely have teenagers tell me how they were persecuted at school. And I would say, what, what's, that, what's that like, persecuted at school? Because I was reading books like Voice of the Martyrs. Have you ever heard of that organization? Just great stories of, like, teenagers on the other side of the globe who were killed for their faith. And so I'd ask my American teenagers, what's that persecution at school like? Well, you know, like when I close my eyes to pray, they laugh. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not knocking at, like, at your level, that might feel like persecution. But then I would go to youth group and I would read stories about, like, the 17-year-old girl who who when the cops busted in at her, into her church, which was in a thatched hut, and put a gun to her head and said, like, denounce Jesus and the word of God or die, she looked at them and said, I can't denounce this. This is life. <laughs> I'm having a hard time here. Like, you're, they're laughing at you as you pray. She's dead. So the point here is not necessarily to minimize, but to try to help us understand that we call a lot of problems persecution. They're not persecution at all. They're just problems. And so if we see every problem as persecution, and I say this in love to us and all the American church as many as are watching, right? Then we're going to have real problems when real persecution happens. So that's your big idea. If we see every problem as persecution, we'll have real problems with real persecution. Um, I get that we think sometimes they're the same because they can feel the same, right? I'm trying to give you good, good pictures. Um, I know it's hard to believe this, but I like to work out. I don't look like I work out, right? But, like, I know what a bench press is. Who knows what a bench press is? Okay, so really quickly, let, let me get this straight. So I, you got to get the big idea. The reason why we confuse problems with persecution is because they both feel the same, Okay. But one, God wants to use for good, and the other, the enemy wants to use for bad. So if I'm in a gym, <laughs> try to picture me in a gym, right, and I'm laying on the bench, and I'm doing bench presses, then what I've got is, and we'll try to make this as realistic as possible, I have the bar, which weighs 45 pounds. That might be all I have, right? Probably not. I probably got like five or six, like 45-pound plates on each side. I don't have that much either, but I have a lot of weight, and what am I doing? I'm trying to push it from here to there. Right? And it looks kind of like this. Yeah, but I'm trying to push it up, right? So I'm feeling a lot of it's hard. My chest is tired. I'm using all my strength. But I'm trying to push that bar up because I'm trying to make my chest, my triceps stronger. Now just imagine somebody came into that gym, and as I'm pushing the weight up, they decide to put all their weight on it to push it down. They're trying to hurt me. 
that feels like persecution, but it feels just like it's the same thing. I'm still using the same muscles. Everything's the same, but the intent is different. Does that make sense? And so sometimes when we say I'm being persecuted, what we're saying is, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm the victim, I'm whatever, as opposed to maybe God's trying to achieve something in my life. You can tell that this past week as I've been running, I've been listening to the book The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. If you're not familiar with her, you should probably check it out. It's a classic book. You can probably get it for free at the library or on Amazon or Kindle, somewhere like that. But it's basically her story of how she overcame and helped other people overcome the Holocaust. So as I'm listening to her story, I keep thinking the whole time, holy cow, I, th- I thought I was facing stuff, but my goodness, what God brought her through, and it just gives us perspective, right? It reminds me that what we're facing is a problem. What she faced was persecution, and I know what you're thinking. What you're thinking is, Paul, if we're not careful, we're going to face the same persecution that she did, and possibly. But what I'm saying today is if we're not careful now, we won't be ready for that then, okay? So 1 Corinthians 10, 11, just jot that down. It tells us that everything that we read in the Old Testament is there to teach us, that we can actually learn from what the Israelites experienced, okay? So we've read about them. Um, they're not going the quickest way to the promised land. God's going to take them in a roundabout way, and that roundabout way is literally circling the same mountain for 40 years before they were ready to go in. Okay, so here's, here's three takeaways. At first glance, when I first read um, Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18, I was like, God, I don't understand how two verses can say two exactly different things. Because verse 17 says that God said, if these people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds, which means they weren't ready for a battle. And then verse 18 says that they left Egypt ready for battle. I don't know how you read the Bible. I mean, some people read that stuff and they just go, that doesn't make any sense, so I'll just stick it over here and forget about the Bible. But I just say to God, well, you wrote it, so help me out a little bit right here. Like, what does this mean? As I started studying it and I looked at what some, what some commentators said, that the rule, the general consensus is this. <clears throat> Verse 18 says that when they left Egypt like an army, I had missed the whole like part. It means that they marched out of Egypt in military formation. They looked like an army, but God knew that they were not an army. Does that make sense? So here's your first takeaway. It's not enough to look the part. We've got to be ready to play the part. They looked the part. They looked like an army, but they weren't ready to be an army. They weren't ready. If they, if they had encountered a fight God knew the minute that they face any kind of problem, they're going to skedaddle back to Egypt. They're going to actually willingly go back to slavery because they're not ready for battle. Listen, we, we look the part. The Bible says that we have a form of godliness and lack the power. We look the part. Can I even go so far as to say this, that We wear the armor, but don't know how to use it. And what God's doing in this season is he's challenging the church. Don't just look the part. Are you actually ready to play the part? 
I kept thinking about how awesome would it be if one of y'all were going to go to the hospital for surgery, and then right before they put that thing on your face and make you count down from whatever number it is, so you'll go crazy and fall asleep, right? Right before that happens, I walked into the surgery room, the operating room, with my scrubs and my mask and that cool little hair thing, and I leaned over you with a scalpel, and your last thought would be like, oh, God. Because I can look like a doctor, but if I haven't had the training to be a doctor, you don't want me to operate on you. And I'm telling you right now, the church in America, what God's using, he's using this season to expose that we have looked the part. But we have not been ready to play the part. The only way to be ready to play the part is to go through training. So listen, Psalm 144.1 says that God trains our hands for war and our fingers for battle. He trains us for war. And so when he, when he looked at his people and he was like, well, I can't send them a short way because they would have been there in less than a year. It was a very short trip. Instead, it took 40 years to go around that mountain to prepare them for the battles that they would face when they went into the promised land. He said, I've got to train them. You've got to train your hands for war. So you, if, you can't do it all today, obviously. But if you read the whole story about the them going from Egypt to the promised land, man, how many things did they encounter? How many, how many problems did they encounter that God wanted to use to prepare them for what they would face when they got into the promised land? And how many times did they fail those tests, right? Like, they complained. And so God opened up the ground and, like, some of them fell in. I mean, like, they complained about Moses, and so he would turn their hands into, like, leprosy. I mean, they... Every time he turned around, he, we just wish we had meat, so he gave them meat. We, we hate this, so he gave them manna. I mean, like, they struggled the whole time. And, and to the point that, because they weren't willing to see past what they considered probably persecution, they had to walk around that mountain 40 years. Do you know why it was 40 years? Because he had to wait for that one generation to die so the new generation could go in. I used to read that differently when I was a teenager. Right? But now I read that like, God, I don't want to be the one you have to kill off. I want to be able to go into the promised land. I want to be ready for that. And so it takes a shift in our perspective, right? And here's your second takeaway. Problems aren't persecution. Problems are training. Listen to this. If we see problems as persecution, we'll always look for how we can get out of them. But if we see problems as training... We'll always look for what we can get out of them. That's a huge shift in perspective. A lot of us are trying to get out of situations, and God's just trying to teach us something from that situation. So how does God train us? Just some scriptures for you to jot down. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Think back to me doing surgery on you, right? Why would you not want me to be your doctor? Because I've had no training. I am not, as a doctor, equipped for every good work. I'm probably not even equipped to hand them tools, right? They'd be like, give me the scalpel. And I'd be like, 
Here's a chainsaw. I'm not equipped for that. I'm not ready for that. The Word of God is one of the ways that God trains us. So let me just, I'm going to keep challenging you, right, every time we talk about these things. And it's a challenge to me as well. So the problems that we're experiencing right now, and when I, I, I don't want you to feel like I'm minimizing the problems that we're facing because they're, they're legit. But if I'm not coming to the Word of God with my problem, then I'm not going to be trained and equipped for it. It's as simple as that. So maybe, maybe you've been that person, you know, and I, I talk about my youth pastoring days a lot. But when teenagers would come to my office and they would sit down, I said, you got something you want to talk to me about? And they would always ask the same question. Anybody want to guess? What was the question every teenager would ask me? What's God's will for my life? And my response was always the same thing. Well, I don't, I'm not sure I know, but how, how are your quiet times? My what? You know, like reading the Bible. And I don't like to read. Oh, so like the Bible's actually how he'll reveal his will, because it is his will, right? So um, can we get you a translation you can understand? Or, now, this is way back in the day. Would you like a cassette, a cassette tape of the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Thank God for you version, right? Come on. And for like, we can listen to videos and go to YouTube and like hear the word of God. There's so many other ways we can hear the word of God. But if we're not in the word, then we're not going to know his will. It's as simple as that because this is how he trains us, right? Here's another way he trains us. Um, if you still live at home, I love you. I'm sorry to have to read this to you. But Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. So God does actually use the parental units for training. I know that, I know, you're, you're a student here. You're like, I thought God wanted me to train my parents. No, actually, he's using your parents to train you in the way that you should go. And, and that's another way that God trains us. How about Proverbs 27, 17? Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. So God uses, how many of you have seen this to be true in your life? He uses other people to train us. Like, don't you love how we, we like, make plaques and stuff out of that verse. Like it's a great verse, iron sharpens iron. Have you watched iron sharpen iron? It's violent. Sparks. It's hard. It's hot. It's a lot of things that we don't ever want. But this is how he trains us. Titus 2, we won't read the whole chapter. Just read Titus 2. I don't know what you consider older. I mean, the older I get, the farther out that number goes, right? When I was um, 17, like, and I would read Titus 2, and it's talking about the older men training the younger men. I'd go to church going, I guess I need to my, like, find somebody in their mid-20s, right? Now maybe, maybe it's 60, maybe it's 80. But the principle is still the same. In Titus 2, the older men and the older women trained the younger men and the younger women. And can, I ask, can I ask you this question? Who do you have that's further down the road speaking into your life? Nobody? Have you ever been a part of a group that was all in the exact same stage of life, trying to help each other in that stage of life? That's frustrating. It's like when we first had children and we weren't sleeping at all. At all. And you 
try to gain wisdom from other young families, the parents who aren't sleeping at all. And you would walk away and go, well, what I know for sure is none of us are sleeping. We don't know how to handle our kids, discipline our kids, change the diaper, nothing. We're just, we just know we're exhausted, really tired. You get back to the next week. How's it going? So tired. And before long, you don't even get with those people because everybody's just tired. And all that group needs is one godly couple who has lived to tell the story that you will sleep again. Right? They just need that perspective. It's almost like God is smart, isn't it? It's like he knows that what we need is somebody further down the road that can look back at us and say, I was where you are and now I'm not. You'll someday be here too. He knows we need that. But instead, what we typically do is surround ourselves with people who think just like us, who look just like us. And then we're surprised that we all have the same problems. He uses other people. And then I'm just going to throw this in there, Hebrews 5.8. Because I, I can hear our minds just like, I don't, I don't want training. I don't even think I need training. I'm ready. And Hebrews 5.8 says, even though Jesus was God's son. Y'all know Jesus, right? Yeah. Ask the person next to you, do you know Jesus? Do they know, like you know when I say Jesus, I'm not talking about a soccer player. I'm not talking about a server at an um, authentic Mexican restaurant, right? I'm talking about Jesus. Son of God. The Bible says that Jesus was with God at the beginning. He, he helped create the whole world like Jesus. Not not the blonde hair, blue-eyed, halo Jesus, but like Jesus. Like if you're watching The Chosen, Jesus, right? Like he looks like somebody who came from that part of the world. We're talking about that Jesus. And it says here that even though he was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus suffered. Like I don't, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but just in case you weren't here, right now you're thinking, I thought Jesus was perfect. Why did he have to learn obedience? What that phrase actually means is that he was completed. He was as much like man as he could ever be through the things he suffered. Sinless, and yet he had to learn through suffering. So can I just pose the obvious question? Say yes. If Jesus was trained in suffering, who do we think we are to complain about it? How do we think we're going to learn? Because I don't know. Okay. Full disclaimer, I know that once we come and we're in Christ, I know that I'm perfect. I'm seated in heavenly places. I know all the things that I am. But I also know who I still am here. And there is a process where God is transforming us and he's sanctifying us. He's making us into the image of his son. And so for me to think for even a second that I don't need more that Jesus did, it's crazy. So we complain about the very thing that God used to make Jesus complete, as if somehow he doesn't know what we need. So to state the obvious, um, I'm a runner, by the way. I, I do, I like to run. It, I don't. I can't explain it, but I just do like to run. How many of you here, with a show of hands, a proud show of hands, would say, that's not me? 
I don't like to run, okay? Just want you to look around the room. You're in, and yeah, I mean, even people at home are like, me, both feet, you know, I mean, as high in the air as we can get, right? Like, we joke all the time, um, you know, those 26.2 stickers, like, my favorite sticker, even as a runner, is the 0.0 sticker on the back of the cars. Like, Sydney's like, that's my sticker, right? I get it. I get it. Um, and if we don't even talk about, if we don't even talk about running, let's just talk about exercise. There are people who just, who they love to lift weights. They love to work out. Raise your hand if that's not you. You don't like to work out. You don't like, yeah, see, like most of us, we do not like to train. In fact, I would say probably because most of us, we go so long without training that then we like wake up one day and go, today, I'm going to train my body. And in one day of training, I'm going to fix decades of non-training, right? So we do way too many lunges, way too many core exercises. For a week, we're in the bed because we can't move, right? Every time we get up, we're like, oh. Oh, my legs are on fire. People are like, what happened? I did squats. And the people you're telling, they're like, why would you do squats? Because I want to get in shape, right? And so we learn to hate training because it hurts, y'all. And some of you are married to mean people. You're married to people like if you told them your thighs hurt from, from exercise, they'd be like, what's up? What's up? They just, my arms are sore. Oh, really? Right there? You know, like, people like to make us hurt, and we don't like to hurt. If you like pain, we need to have sessions together, right? People don't like pain. You're actually not supposed to like it. So, so here, check this out. Here's what we do. We try to protect ourselves from pain. And God tries to prepare us through pain. But because we protect ourselves at all costs from anything that will hurt us, and just disclaimer, I'm doing a lot of disclaimers because I want to make sure you hear me. I'm not talking about being abused. I'm not talking about things that actually do hurt us that we should not embrace, right? But I am telling you that because we have a sovereign God, a Father who loves us, He can teach us something through anything. And so we try to protect ourselves lots of times from the very instrument that God would want to use to prepare us. And he does prepare us through pain. So if we're going to survive and thrive in training, then here's the key. Third takeaway, learn to see past what you can see. Everybody say, huh? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Learn to see past what you can see. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Let's put that up on the screen. Let's read that. Paul writes this, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Everybody say amen. We love that. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Here's the part I want you to see. Paul says, So we don't look at the troubles we can see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul says, don't look at what you can see. Look at what you can't see. It's weird, isn't it? Like, learn how to look past what you can see. So 2 Corinthians 4, 8, can we throw that? I think we have that one too. Can we throw that up there? Here's what happens. When you can look past what you can see and see the unseen, Paul says, we're pressed on every side by troubles. 
but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. If you could just leave that there for a second. So here's what I'm seeing in the American church. And, and I include myself in this. We are in training, but we are pressed and crushed. We are perplexed and given to despair. We haven't learned how to be one without the other. And what God wants to teach the church is how to be one without the other. That we can actually be pressed but not crushed. And so the only way, we talked about that ping pong ball a while back. The only way to be pressed and not crushed is to have more inside of you than the pressure on the outside. So people that say stuff like, well, if you just love Jesus, you'll never have trouble. Can we just slap those people? Can we give them some trouble, right? If you love Jesus, you're going to have trouble. You might even have more trouble than if you didn't love Jesus because once you start loving Jesus, you just got a new enemy. So this whole teaching of it's going to be great, what? If it's going to be that great here, why would I want to go to heaven? Like, and that's like the goal, right, to be with him forever in a place that's not like this. So the reason that we can be pressed but not crushed is because there's always pressure on us. But when, great, when he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world, all the pressure of the world can never crush me. Because he's in me, right? All the way back to the beginning. Let's go full circle for a second. Why is it that church people are pressed and crushed? It's because they walked out of slavery looking like an army, but they weren't ready to be one. They had a form of godliness, but no power where? Within. Because if you don't have power within, that's all it takes to crush you. And so what he's doing right now is he's trying to help us see we need to have more power in us than what's against us on the outside. We've got to learn how to be pressed and perplexed and not be crushed and in despair. So here's the question. What are you looking at? What are you focused on? If we only see the problem, we'll never see the purpose. And here's what I believe. I believe that God has assignments for every one of us. He's got something for you that I can't do. He's got assignments for every one of us. And so he, he's got to get us ready for that, right? Whatever that assignment is for you, he's got to get us ready. So he prepares us so that he can promote us. So as he's preparing us, he's actually getting us ready to put us into that place, that assignment that he has for us. I don't want to give away the whole um, hiding place story, but um, when you read it, you're going to hear this, um, this is what really grabbed me, somewhere like halfway through the book, they're in the concentration camp, and they're in this ho these horrible living conditions, and Corey Ten Boom is, I relate to her because she's complaining about the whole thing, she's like, this is ridiculous, I hate this, and her sister's like the saintly one, right? And so her sister starts, she says, Corey, what we need to do is we need to thank God for the things that are in this room. And so they start thanking, there's, there's more women, they're like, it's a, it's a room that holds 400, but there's 1,400 people in it. And so they're like, thank you, God, that we're so crowded because more people can hear the word. Doesn't that sound really spiritual? How many of us cannot relate to that, right? We're like, just give me my own bed. 
And then there were fleas in there. And Corey Ten Boom's sister, she said, Corey, you need to thank God for the fleas. I can't thank God for the fleas. But her sister did. Thank you, God, even for the fleas. And all the way at the end of the story, they, they could never figure out why that one room never had guards in it. They were always able to share freely from the Word of God. Just talk to people. Lead people to Jesus. They never had guards come in the room. And all the way at the end of the story, her sister says, Corey, do you know why there were never guards in that room? It's because there were fleas in there. And the guards didn't want the fleas. So they never came into the room. So there's a purpose in everything, church. Even fleas. I don't like them any more than you do. But if we're complaining about where God has us, we're going to miss the reason why he has us there. There's a purpose in all of it. He wants to show us that. He wants to help us get to the place where we're ready for the assignment that he has. So learn how to look past what you can see. Start seeing what's unseen. Now, we're going to wrap this up. Remember way back at the beginning I told you that what happened to the Israelites happened as an example for us. Yes? So whenever you're reading the Old Testament and you're like, I don't understand the Old Testament, just ask yourself, what in the Old Testament is, can I learn that helps me today? Right? Especially when you're, I've been in the story of the, the Israelites wandering in the desert for so long now. Like everything that happened to them, there's a reason it's in the Bible, and it's to encourage me as I'm walking with Jesus, right? Jesus still wants to see us set free from captivity. He still wants to see us living up to our purpose. He still wants all that for us. He's still preparing us. I think sometimes we, we buy this lie that, well, let's just pray to receive Jesus, and then we're ready, right? But we miss Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does he renew our mind? With the word of God. So that we can be transformed into his image. So God is still taking people in roundabout ways so he can prepare them. Anybody relate to that? Can you relate to um, being in the roundabout way? Oh, my goodness. We went on a trip a week or so ago. Me, Sydney, and Wendy. We just ended up in Concord at a place, we got in the car, and we just said, that was a total waste of time. I don't even know why we did that. I still don't know. Do you, y'all know yet? Why we, I don't even, I still don't know. We're still waiting for your, well, why would God take us there? Why are we, why is this, we're at a dead end. What is this about? But if, if the word of God is true, at some point, we're going to realize, oh, that's why. Because there were fleas, y'all. The guards wouldn't come in. God was protecting us. He has a plan. He still uses problems to train us because there are battles that he needs us to fight. And he's getting us ready. I would encourage you with this, man. Don't cut the training short. Don't cut it short. Um, will you close your eyes? And, and I want you to think about this. Wendy and I probably don't share this testimony enough, and it's just because when you share your testimony so much, at some point you're just like, God, why would, why would we do this again? But back when my mom and my brother passed away, um, brutal season for us, and it just felt like at every turn we were hurt again. 
either by circumstance or people responding and reacting in the circumstance. It was it was brutal. And we we had the same well, we had two prayers. One was God, I don't think we can forgive people, so you're gonna have to help us with that. And he would help us forgive people. And the second prayer that we prayed, it felt like on the daily was God, please make us fast learners because we don't want to go through this lesson again. I think that's not a bad prayer, y'all. To say to God, I'm in this class that I don't know that I want to be in. I think about all the times they, they would pass that mountain and they would go, again? God, what did we not learn the last lap? That we, If we could learn it this lap, maybe we'd be done. Can I just encourage you to just take a quick check of your life and just ask yourself, what is God, what is he teaching me right now? What is he, what is he using this season for in my life to teach me? And God, make, make us fast learners. I'm not going to drag this out, but if you can relate to that, if there's something that you feel like you need, he's teaching you, would you just raise your hand? And I'm just going to pray for you right now. Father, the hands that are in the air, whether they're in the building or they're online, Lord, I pray that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you're doing through the problems in their lives is you're actually training them for greater things to come. And I pray that they would be fast learners. I pray that I would be a fast learner, that we would lean into your spirit, that we would listen to what you're saying so that we're ready. We don't want to just look the part. We want to play the part. We want to be the army. We want to use the armor that you've given us in Ephesians chapter 6. We don't want to just wear it and walk around. And so as you are training our hands for battle, preparing us for war. God, we want to we listen to everything you have to say. I pray you would speak through, through your word, that you would speak through others. I pray that you would sharpen us, God, that we would be the best we can be for you. And people that are in the room right now watching online that have not chosen to follow Jesus, Lord, I pray that this message would point them to the cross, that they would see that at the cross what you did was you've actually set us free from Egypt. We are set free from slavery to sin. And it's as simple as following you and trusting everywhere you lead us, there's a reason for it. And I pray that you would lead us to victory like you promised and that we would walk through. Even as we're in training, as we're in this place, as we're learning what you have for us, that we'd walk through this, God, because on the other side of this is an amazing place of victory. The promised land that you've called us to, that you've blessed us with, we want to be ready to inhabit it. And I thank you for it, God, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. You've been gracious. You've listened. You haven't thrown things at me, and I appreciate that. We love you so, so much. Listen, how many of you um, are, you follow us on our socials, especially on our Facebook page? Raise your hand. Just make sure that you know we're at facebook.com slash the gathering now. If you don't follow that, please go get on it because we have um, a lot of announcements coming up in the next couple of weeks that we don't want you to miss, okay? Also, you get a newsletter once a week. We'd love to make sure you're getting that there as well. Um, we just want to stay in touch with you. We love you. If you're here and you want us to pray for you, as people head that way, 
I'm going to be hanging out right here. We'd love to just anoint you with oil, pray over you, especially if you want power from the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray with you about that. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. We'll see you next Sunday.